Well, thanks again for listening to the Park Hills Podcast. If you want more information on the things we are doing, parkhillschurch.com or the Park Hills Church app. So we're going to talk about everybody's favorite thing, just numbers in general. Numbers, not the book of numbers. Correct. Just numbers. That is definitely everyone's favorite thing. What is your favorite number, Chris? Or what was your jersey number in high school? 52. 52. What was your? 17. Oh. Multiply that times three, you get 51. One less than me. I'm just kidding. Three three of me is just not enough for you. (laughs) What was great for me is when I started following Jesus, uh, I had locker number 52 and jersey number 52. And I didn't even realize the two were connected. I didn't get to choose my locker number. They gave it to me. And I thought, whoa, look at what the Lord is doing, which is such a stupid thing. <laughs> and then on top of that, a couple of years later, it dawned on me, I was born on May 2nd. So I was like, oh, 52. <laughs> it was meant it's to been be. the whole time. Because <laughs> that's how dumb we can be See, my, time to time. My family number was 13. Mm-hmm. Like my dad wore 13. My brother wore 13. But that meant I couldn't because if we, right. were, we were on the same team a couple of times. So then I went to seven. Then I was like, you know what? I like 17 better. Yeah. Yeah. There and you go. 13. Very lucky. Yeah. What a lucky number. That's why they wore it. I love it. So when we talk about numbers in the Bible, there are things that I think have purpose and meaning. We'll get to those in a little bit. But there's a lot of things dealing with numbers that have no actual purpose or meaning, and yet people want it to have purpose and meaning. Right. I think when we try to turn the Bible into a code, which, oh, look, there's a book (laughs) called The Bible Code. Nice plug. Yeah, and I just... You know, don't go buy this book. But, it's terrible. Uh, it just I'm going to read you a little snippet on its Amazon top page here. It says, An Israeli mathematician has discovered a hidden code in the Bible that appears to reveal the details of the events that took place thousands of years after the Bible was written. My letter to Rebin said, The reason I'm telling you about this is that the only time your full name is encoded in the Bible, the words, Assassin that will assassinate, cross your name. And so then it just, like... It goes from there about how you can use this computer model to assign numbers to letters or something in the Bible mm-hmm. and basically encode the that the Bible has all these predictions encoded in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And what they do there is so they take the, the letters of the Bible in Hebrew— and every one of them has a, a numerical value, right? There's twenty. Right. There's twenty-two Hebrew letters. So Aleph is is one, and then Beit is is two. And there's some sp- spaces in the Bible where this clearly does matter. I, you know, pretty famously, the beginning of Matthew. Matthew starts with Abraham and then ends up with Jesus, and he does fourteen generations, fourteen generations, fourteen generations, which is interesting because. There were more than 14 generations in each one of those. So he's, right. he's eliminating certain people, adding certain names to make it different. But why is he choosing 14? And, you know, one of the things I'll spoil an Israel trip for somebody that, you know, mm-hmm. this is one of the things that we do talk about in Israel when we get a chance. But the word Dawid, or we call it David, David yeah. right, is a Dalit Vav Dalit, which is four, six, four. You add those three letters together. And you end up with the number 14. So then 
part of what many have pointed out, and, and I think right, right in doing so, is that Matthew is saying, check this out, Hebrew writers, 14 generations, 14 generations, 14 generations, king, 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 David, David, David. So there is something to be said about some of this, but what they do in the Bible code is they add up entire lines and books and they try to find all these things. And then what ends up happening is you get words like the assassin will assassinate. That is a shocking revelation yeah. that an assassin will assassinate someone. Oh boy. <clears throat> yeah. I think what we have to look at is we can swing the pendulum too far one way or the other. When the author is being intentional about numbers, we should be intentional about understanding that. Right. When the author is not being intentional about numbers, maybe, right. maybe we should leave those numbers be. Right. Because the- I've, I've seen this before, and oh man, this gets, this gets used all the time, and even some of them, not even the author. Uh, I remember a guy talking about how uh, seven is the number of perfection, six is the number of of set of Satan and five is the number of death. And like, why? Well, because acts five, five, you know, that's the, that's the verse when Ananias and Sapphira die. And you're like, you're like, Oh man, like those numbers weren't those even numbers added weren't, until a thousand yeah. years after. <laughs> yeah. Like acts five, five and people being killed under the fifth rib. And like, I don't know if I've seen that or not, but like that made yeah. five, the number of death. And I was sure. Like, Oh, like, I don't know. Maybe we, we miss that every time there's five of something in scripture. That doesn't mean it's tied to death. Correct. So, Correct. So speaking of which, we're going to look at some of the numbers in the feeding stories and talk about some of the things we've heard. Some of these things that you're going to hear today are interesting and probably fun. They might be fun little things you bring up in a Bible study or, you know, you say whatever. I, I would be very cautious with anybody taking any of this and thinking too much of it. This is part of the reason why we're doing it as a podcast and not spending time in a sermon doing this because... Yeah. It, we don't know if some of this is true. This is just an interesting li- thing to think about, and I, it'll, I think it'll be a fun episode for people. I'm having fun. <clears throat> but we don't feel comfortable enough preaching this as this is exactly what's going on. So that already should make you a little skeptical of some of it. So we'll start there. So the the, the back to the the idea of adding all these numbers together. We call that gemetria, right? If the It's a Hebrew term and just means basically a code in the numbers. And like I pointed out, one of the most famous ones is that David one that I pointed out a little bit ago. But let's look at the two feedings of the 5,000 and the 4,000. You know, we just preached, uh, you know, I did mark uh, eight. Yep. Yeah, about, well, you did both of these here at Freeport. Oh, yeah, I did. <clears throat> and I got to preach Mark 8 at Winnebago, which was great. But the feeding of the 5,000 in Mark 6 and then the feeding of the 4,000 in Mark 8 give us an opportunity to sort of step back and go, okay, let's look at some of the details here. So starting without the numbers, let me just tell you some of the similarities between these two. They both happen right next to the Sea of Galilee. The feeding of the 5,000 is the northwestern shore. Uh, Most have placed this in the region, really, that means Seven Springs. Um, You know, it's just outside of Capernaum. People... They built a church there because, of course, why wouldn't, <laughs> why wouldn't you build a church there? The other feeding seems to happen either the southeast shore, so the exact opposite side of the lake, or possibly more central east. But regardless, this is in Gentile territory. So the first feeding of the 5,000 is, is Jewish, and the second feeding of the 4,000 is, uh, you know, Gentile. Both happen in a somewhat deserted place, but yet the feeding of the 5,000, if it really happened where they think it did, Capernaum is a block, you know, Less than a mile away, basically. You could just get there really quickly. Right. It says they were in a desolate place, but it said many going and recognized ran there on foot. So you're yes. you're like not 
miles and miles and Correct. miles and j- days journey. You're like, Correct. oh, we see him way out there. Right. We're going to go there and be there presumably within the day. Yeah. Yeah. And if you are on a bus and you go from Capernaum to where they claim the feeding happened, it took us all of 30 seconds or a minute in Israel. And everyone was so surprised to get off the bus as quickly as we mm-hmm. did. So that's that close. Uh, whereas the, des- the deserted place for the feeding of the 4,000 is there's nothing around. And so the disciples have a bit of a, a trouble with that. And whereas the first one, they say it would take a ton of money for us to pay for this. The second one, they say there's no food here. How are we going to do this? Uh, Jesus has compassion on the crowd in both. It's interesting. And then for both of them, he is concerned about people's hunger. The first one, he says, disciples, you feed them. They don't have an answer. And then he comes back and says, okay, I'll take care of it. The second one, he says, you know, I'm, I'm concerned that they're not going to be able to make it home from here. What are we going to do? And ironically, in both stories, the disciples don't really know what to do, even though, as you pointed out, and I think rightly so in Mark 8, they should. <laughs> yeah, they should have figured that. Yeah, they have a short, pretty short memory, you know, situation going on. So here's a couple things that I think are interesting about the numbers, okay? You brought up seven as the baskets left over. That is a number of completion in the, in the Hebrew space. Absolutely, there's no question there. But let's talk a little bit about the 5,000 and 4,000. Uh, and again, I'm being very cautious with all of this because I don't know if any of this is true. But these are things that I've learned over the years that I think are interesting and they're always in the back of my head. So I'm going to share them with you. So they're in the back of your head as well. The feeding of the 5,000 isn't necessarily 5,000 people. It's 5,000 men. Right. So we, you know, we've speculated it could be as many as 20,000 people, right? If you've got your wife and two kids listening to this guy, you can understand why this would be pretty overwhelming to the disciples. 5,000 men would mean a huge amount. The 4,000 is, it actually just says 4,000 people. So there's a possibility that the, the second crowd is only 4,000, although even that, you know, is somewhat up in the air. Here's where the numbers start to play in. And I'd love to have your feedback on some of these things and hear what you think. The 5,000, many have pointed out that the number 1,000 throughout the Bible is deals with clans, deals with, in fact, the Hebrew word 1,000 could even be translated as clans, which would be one of the things that would maybe change some of the numbers in the Old Testament, right? Right, right. This is So that would be, it would be chan- translated clan instead of thousand. Correct. Like it would not be both. Correct. Yeah. And I don't think that's happening here because the Greek words are different. And so we know what that is. But it is interesting that thousand means a clan or a lot of people. It just means a, a multitude. And then when you add the, the number five to the front or the number four to the front, and again, like I said, I'll, I'll say this numerous times in this episode, I'm being very cautious here. But the five having some tie to Torah is an interesting possibility. And the four, having the the tie to the four directions of the compass, north, south, east, and west, many have pointed out that four is a typical Gentile code number throughout the whole Bible. So there are multiple times where fours end up meaning, you know, the Gentiles because of they're all around us, north, south, east, and west. They're everywhere in the whole world. So what are your thoughts on 5,000 and 4,000? Yeah, I, I don't know. I can... I can see it, and I don't know. Part of me feels like it is a little bit of a stretch, the four points of the compass. Uh, are there other uses in Scripture that we see where four and Gentile are are combined like that, or even mm-hmm. other extra-biblical literature? Extra-biblical literature, yes. Okay. Quite a few different places. Pre, Pre-New Testament or post-New Testament? Both. Okay. And it's a pretty common thing in the Second Temple period where four kind of becomes this code 
Yeah. So, but the question is, would the disciples have been aware of that? Or would Jesus have wanted to use it that way? Or are we merely just counting people? Yeah. Because another thing that we need to be very cautious with here, and I, and I meant to say this early in the episode, but we'll say it right now for sure. We are not doubting the numbers, right. you and I. There's no doubt that these numbers are legitimate. I believe he absolutely fed way more than 5,000 for the feeding of the five. And the 4,000, there's some, you know, iffiness there. But he, meaning, was it more than 4,000 or was it 4,000 right or about there? I'm good with both of the feedings. I think two feedings happened. I think they both have significant theological reasons behind them. But the question I ask whenever we start talking numbers like this, and this is back to my caution, is I don't know if people are just finding other stuff out there and then trying to read it back into the text, if the disciples would have known that, or if they just they counted folks or estimated and they were like, hey, 5,000 men and 4,000 about, oh, that's cool. It totally connects to five and four. That's neat. Did it dawn on them yeah. decades later, or was it like in their head going, "Oh, J- Jews and Gentiles"? Well, this is this is where like the whole Bible code thing, you know, comes yep. into play here. We we want to be intentional when the Holy Spirit's being intentional, and so we have these stories. Mark, you know, presumably from Peter, is gathering these stories. He's arranging them in a certain way under the, you know, the power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Maybe Jesus fed multitudes. 20 times sure. in his ministry. That's but, a good point. But the Holy Spirit thought these two, we're going to put these two in because they're going to demonstrate something sure. specific. Or, you know, in here we're going like major, just speculating this could be maybe Jesus only fed thousands of people twice, but intentionally the Holy Spirit wanted them in the story of Mark to show something so the Holy Spirit only brought or not only, but brought 4,000 to one and 5,000 men to the other. Like, yeah. all of those are possibilities. So, yeah, we're certainly not doubting that that actual number was there. What we are simply trying to unpack is, is there more meaning or extra meaning behind? I would say yes, more so from the amount of pieces, because that was mm-hmm. directly influenced by Jesus, right? Jesus is directly creating a specific amount of bread, because I've always thought that, why didn't he just feed 5,000 people and then be done with it? Because if he could make bread whenever he wants, why does he need leftovers? Yep. Oh, there's there's 12 leftover. There's yep. enough food to fill 12 more baskets. Right. Which 12 means what? Israel. Yeah. I mean, there's the 12 tribes of Israel, and it's not a surprise or a chance that Jesus has 12 disciples. Right. And it's even interesting that one of his disciples betrays him. And one of the tribes of Israel disappears from the writing of Revelation. So th- there is some interesting things there. That I, again, I don't want to read too much into it, but I'm going, this is very interesting how this all plays out. But 12 is definitely an Israelite number. There's right. no question. So I would pull all the, the numbers of that because then the baskets, seven baskets, why, did, why would Jesus create seven extra baskets in Gentile territory right. to talk about completion or fullness? Because yep. that's a big part of the theme of these stories, all eight and we're satisfied. That's an important part. And a big part of the theme of the New Testament in general. When Paul is preaching about when the fullness of the Gentiles comes, then the Lord will return. Right. So it's even one of those things that people have speculated for years. What does that mean? What does it mean, the fullness of the Gentiles? Does it mean when all four edges of the earth get reached, which was the driving force of missiology in the late 1800s and early 1900s, we need to get to every corner of the earth? And then they did that, and then now in the 1960s, people started saying, maybe it's people groups. Maybe we need to reach all the people groups. And so that major change in missiology happened there. And now you have places like Ethnos 360 and other missionary schools that are sending people 
into the people groups that do not know the, the gospel with the intention of bringing about the fullness of the gospel, uh, fullness yeah. of the Gentiles. Yeah. So there's a little bit there. I think one of the really interesting things that I, I learned over the years dealing with seven as well is what's really curious to me is that the land of Israel had seven Gentile tribes in it at the time of the, of the conquest. Mm-hmm. So there seems to be also this little correlation here of, I know exactly what I'm doing. It's I'm, I'm aiming for the fullness of the Gentiles at the same time. I'm also feeding people right in my home turf, even though the last time we came into this turf, we had to wipe you out kind of thing, you know? So there's something interesting there that I think is, is, you know, interesting to deal with, which is maybe why the seven loaves were chosen. Also seven is, you know, the seven loaves are five plus two, which you go back to the feeding of the 5,000. You've got the five loaves, which many have pushed to Torah, right? Mm -hmm. The five books of the, of the new Testament or sorry, old Testament, the five books of Moses, right? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And then the two fish, you add those two together, you have seven as well. And so, you know what I'm saying? There's, there's, there is enough interesting things there that people are like, Hmm, this is interesting. I don't know what to do with it. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, talked about this in my sermon, but I think it's significant that where the source of the food comes from is pretty cool too, that it comes from the people in the feeding of the Jewish people, but then it comes from the disciples in the second, kind of continuing that theme, like the Jews are blessing the nations. Uh, Yes, five and two fish and six, and then just seven loaves and a few small fish, but that's kind of a afterthought at that part. Yeah, so I, I would just say, like, for me, as I read this, the the numbers of thousands, the five to the four thousand, to me is feels less intentional right. than the numbers of what we started with and what we ended with. But I could see, yeah, the four thousand, four corners, multitudes. Yeah. It's just interesting. It's interesting. And it's again, it's not things that I build. Put it my, in that interesting box. Yeah, like, oh. I don't build my faith on it. It doesn't make me, you know, go crazy. At the same time, it's one of those things that Bible nerds and others see it, and they go, ooh, ooh look at this. And I go, yeah, okay, I, I'm interested. I don't know if it changes anything. And like we said, we didn't, we intentionally did not leave it in the sermon because we don't, we don't feel so confident that we want everyone to know this is it. Because I've heard some preachers build entire sermons on just the five and two. Oh, yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. And they're like, this is what these numbers mean. This is what it, this is what's all going down. And I'm going, I don't that's not the main point of the text. And so even coming back to the podcast you and I did a few weeks ago, you know, I want to be standing on the word of God, trusting to look for what it's actually saying rather than make it say what I want it to say. Yeah. And so we were talking about interpretation there in a similar way. This is an interpretive decision that you have to make when you look at things like this and go, Hmm, you know, it's even interesting that the feeding of the 4,000, he teaches for three days. I don't know why there's not more written about that, but okay. You know, yeah. and there's a number of spots in in Mark and in John where three days comes up in really unique places. And you go, is are they just highlighting something else? Mm-hmm. Who else spent three days in something? Oh, Jonah, you know, and then he says things like the sign of Jonah. And I go, okay, there's got to be something there, but I don't know exactly what it is. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's interesting. Uh, you know, I'm sure someday we'll, you know, there's a few books of the Bible that I, I want to tackle a number of years from now that I will create a bunch of other number situations. For example, uh, the ages in the genealogies in Genesis have some tremendous possibilities that are worth digging into, but that's we're not teaching Genesis yeah. right now, so we're going to leave that alone. 
Right. Yeah. 40 days and 40 nights is another one. Yep. Which Mark doesn't really deal with the temptation. We're going to have more yeah. of that when we hit Matthew uh, in just a couple of years. But for now, we thought this would be interesting for you to listen to. So 5,000, 4,000, 5, 2, 7. And then I think what's most important, like you said, the 12 and the 7. There you go. Let's do it. Let's do it.